0: Hello, my lovely friends and listeners, either interested in fibromyalgia or who have fibromyalgia. Welcome to episode number six of my Winning at Fibromyalgia podcast. I uh, am very excited to bring you today's episode. It is so far my longest episode and possibly the most exciting. I'm explaining my method um, of how I approach fibromyalgia in my practice. It incorporates and summarizes things I have learned from multiple years of rheumatology practice, attending and listening to lectures on the topic of fibromyalgia and chronic pain, and attending courses of providers who treat and often cure chronic pain. It is a method I use on myself as I have a mild to moderate case of myofascial or fibromyalgia pain in my back. I have worked hard to distill this to five basic steps, and I will be sharing them with you in this episode. So before I dive in, I do want to mention a couple of disclaimers. The um, first one is that I do not talk about any medications that are frequently used for patients with fibromyalgia. The reason for this is that in my coaching practice, I do not prescribe these medications. And the second reason is that um, they can help, but rarely are a long-term solution on their own. Um, I only rarely see cases when a medication works on its own without a person doing any extra work. It does happen, but not very often. So I will not spend any time on that. Another disclaimer is that as a prerequisite for working with me, either privately or in my clinical practice... I do ask that you have a confirmed diagnosis of fibromyalgia or myofascial pain. This is best accomplished, in my opinion, as I previously mentioned, by a rheumatologist. The reason for that is that as rheumatologists, we are uniquely trained to recognize and weed out all different kinds of pain. So it's really an important step zero or ground zero, so to speak, before we dive in and work and do some deep work on winning at fibromyalgia method that I will discuss here. So are you ready? Here it is. The five steps of my unique winning at fibromyalgia method are number one, Be open to learning the concept of neuroplastic pain. Number two, believe you can and deserve to feel better. Number three, practice sending messages of safety to your brain. Number four, feel and process all of the emotions. And number five, listen to your intuition and let it guide you. That's it. Five steps, simple. Let's dive in each one. Number one, step number one, be open to learning the concept of neuroplastic pain. I have had many patients tell me that just the mere act of explaining the concept of neuroplastic pain literally lit the bulb in their head and they understood for the first time how their emotions are related to their pain. And intuitively, they almost knew the solution. As a brief summary, neuroplastic pain means the pain you feel is real but is not caused by injury or structural damage of tissues that are hurting, whether it be back, arms, or legs, or any other body part. It is caused by misfiring neurons, misbehaving neurons in the brain pain centers. Neurons that are misinterpreting neutral or safe information from the body as unsafe and translating it into pain. Brain is making a mistake. That's what neuroplastic pain is. We all know that stressful situations can cause symptoms. For example, blushing in certain people when embarrassed, including me. Tightness or knots in the stomach when when nervous, heart beating fast and sweaty palms, we accept those as normal and physiologic. We also accept that the symptoms described above are brief and resolve on their own. But many people balk at the idea that physical pain also can be a physiological response to stress, as if it was something to be embarrassed about. But guess what? It is. Research has confirmed this. Pain in patients with fibromyalgia is facilitated through the same mechanism by activating the flight or fight reaction as the above-mentioned short-lasting effects. The difference is that it does not turn off. The neurons' connections of pain pathways loops do not turn off. Their pain volume is turned up. Many people talk about pain in fibromyalgia as just the pain volume control problem. It is a volume control problem due to chronic stress, unprocessed emotions, and all the past hurts dating as far back as our childhoods. Our memories, every single experience of our life are stored in the billions of neurons that compose our brain. Some of them are wired together through similar painful experiences, and they create a neuron signature, and that gets activated when the critical threshold has been reached. As I mentioned many times before, the pain is real. There is no such thing as imaginary pain and real pain. The pain is real, and it has been documented by multiple studies with functional MRIs understanding of neuroplastic pain where it comes from and the fact that it is not permanent or it does not have to be permanent brings about a breath of hope because pain pathways can be rewired a hundred percent which brings me to step number two number two believe you can and you can and deserve to get better This has been arguably the toughest part of my own journey and I have found to be the case with many of my female patients and even physicians believe we can and deserve to get better. We often carry various burdens, sometimes dating way back to our childhoods, that we are not deserving of good things in life or good health or whatever good. It has been shocking to me to discover that I myself struggled with it and many other women, including women physicians, have the same issue. At the same time, becoming aware that it might be our problem is a source of hope because believing one can get better is written all over the research studies and demonstrated by multiple success stories. Women with pain do get unburdened from their pain. It is a fact. Hence, it is okay to believe it is possible for you too. Believing we are deserving is a separate problem for believing uh, in a possibility of getting better. I struggled with this a lot personally, um, and I had a breakthrough in this belief, or rather, disbelief, after hearing a comment of one of the prominent life coaching life coaches in my recent coaching program uh, the comment went something like this our innate essence our pure soul is inherently lovable our innate essence our pure soul is inherently lovable the lights went off in my brain and i felt an instant relief so how to go about this in general so in my opinion it helps to identify where the idea of not being deserving comes from My personal lack of belief uh, came from all the past wrongs I did, usually related to uttering hurtful words to family or co-workers. I believed that all the things I have done wrong in my life made me undeserving of good things and nothing could be further from the truth. We are all humans and we all make mistakes. Hurting Other people's feelings does not make us undeserving of good things in life. It means we have some faulty thought processes or beliefs that we need to work on. It makes us human and forgiveness is available to each of us. If we give ourselves compassion, like we do to other people we love, we are able to see that making mistakes is human. It does not make us undeserving. Eventually, my disbelief was released when I believed that I can forgive myself for all the past hurtful things I said. It was a process and it does not happen overnight. Believing is a huge step in getting better and I cannot overstate the importance of this. Power of belief has been written about by many authors. I would like to mention Dr. Bruce Lipton and Dr. Benson just uh, to mention a couple. There is now a scientific evidence that the power of belief can heal or harm. Our minds are very powerful and if we believe we can get better, we usually do. So number three, deliver messages of safety to the brain. So this is another important point. This is where I talked about somatic tracking fears, self-compassion, and any other technique of mindfulness or meditation that installs stillness and feeling of safety and calmness. It is also referred to as relaxation response. So we talked about how neuroplastic pain is a result of chronic irritation or activation of the flight uh, flight or fight system, which is a sympathetic nervous system activation. Main hormones of the system are adrenaline, uh, dopamine, and cortisol. And the brain needs to be calmed down and it is achieved by activating the parasympathetic nervous system. That's the nervous system of which main nerve is vagus nerve. We deliver messages of safety by calming our breathing, our thoughts, observing our breath or sensations, in our body and telling the brain it is okay, it is just pain and we know where it's coming from. I am okay, my body is okay, brain, we will be okay. Um, I heard a very helpful comparison to what it means to activate a parasympathetic nervous uh, response. The person explaining the process compared it to imagining you need to calm a scared child or scared yourself when you were little. You would soothe the child with calm voice, hugging, kissing, and talking in a low voice, or giving messages of safety and reassurance that everything will be okay. And our brain is behaving like a scared little child sometimes when it comes to producing chronic pain. So this is where fierce self-compassion practice also comes into. It recognizes that all the emotions or difficult situations we are going through are normal and human experience and we give ourselves love and compassion like we would to a good friend or someone we love. When our breathing and heart rate slows down and blood pressure is lowered by eliciting the relaxation response, During the somatic tracking and practice of self-compassion, our brain gets the messages of safety and reassurance. The practice of activating the parasympathetic nervous system literally activates the healing response. Chemicals produced by neurons during the relaxation response counteract the toxic effects of the chronic stress response. Your body literally starts healing during the practice of mindfulness, self-compassion, and somatic, somatic tracking. That brings me to step number four, feel and process all of the emotions. I talked a little bit about the importance of addressing emotions in the last podcast. People with chronic pain often have a lot of emotional distress related to the pain itself, but also to the current and past charged interactions or events in their lives. Oftentimes, the emotions were not being uh, able to dealt with for one reason or another, so the person suppressed them and just bottled them up inside. Unprocessed emotions can manifest in a myriad of ways of which pain is just one. I don't mean to talk about all the ways unprocessed emotions are detrimental to us. The most common examples are chronic irritability, eating or drinking as ways of coping with unpleasant or difficult emotions. I want to zero in on emotions as they pertain to chronic pain. Anger, guilt, resentment, all of them have a role in chronic pain. Multiple studies have shown that processing and releasing the emotions leads to improvement in pain and overall life quality. Possible avenues for release include the emotional awareness and expression therapy that I mentioned last episode, EAET, internal family system, IFS, and literally any therapy that allows for processing of the emotions related to current and past painful events. It can happen whatever way you know that works for you. I have searched many years to discover that internal family systems IFS method is the best for me. It may be the same for you or something else. We explore this together with my clients and patients. We explore the ways of coping and what the most suitable step would be. And many of my patients already have a therapist that they are already working with on emotions. The bottom line of this step is to go back to the upsetting event, feeling the things you felt in the moment and rewriting the story in your imagination of how you would have preferred to handle the upsetting event. It has been truly transformative for me and for many patience. The last step is get in touch with your intuition. Step number five, your inner core self, your intuition is like this all-knowing guide that tells you where you need to go. It is that little voice that you often feel and hear, but many times don't listen to, that knows what is best for you. Dr. Lisa Rankin refers to it in her Whole Health Medicine Institute course as the inner pilot light. Sometimes we call it gut feeling. Steve Jobs had a really good quote on this. He said, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. In essence, our core self is calm, wise, curious, compassionate, loving, and having a lot of clarity. Our inner self knows what is best for us and where it would like us to go. If we listen, amazing things happen. If we don't listen, interesting things happen. Sometimes we have pain, sometimes we feel uneasy, or we can tell something is off. The reason I mention intuition here is that following our inner wise or core self has implications of how we perceive our lives. If we live out of integrity with our core true beliefs, we often find ourselves feeling frustrated or stuck or irritated or angry or all of the above. And often we can experience pain on top of that. Our inner core can make us do bold things, sometimes others would judge or disapprove of. I'm talking about people pursuing their dreams by changing careers, signing up for school or new courses, asking for a promotion, asking for a raise, speaking up on behalf of others, becoming an activist. Or it can mean ditching an old friendship if it does not feel it's serving us. Following our intuition can have many forms and it looks different for each of us. I suspect we will talk more about this step in some of the future episodes, but I considered it important enough to incorporate as one of the five main basic steps of my program. At the end, I would like to mention one final disclaimer, and that is that I do not consider successful winning and fibromyalgia method as being pain-free or successful result of my method of being pain-free. What, you would say, but you heard me right. I do not believe that in order to live a good full life, um, that you have to be free of fibromyalgia pain completely. And don't get me wrong, it is nice to be pain-free, but I have found it not to be required to be pain-free in order to feel good. So how do I define a successful end to my method? So for me personally, success means feeling good, healthy, strong, strong enough to do all the things I need to do and to enjoy my life on my terms. Some pain is not a deal breaker if it does not consume me. And I think that is the big part of uh, feeling good. If the pain is there, but it's really minimal or mild and doesn't consume us and doesn't interfere with our lives, uh, to many of us, it is acceptable. The goal is to be pain-free, but it shouldn't be uh, the end all. So these were my five steps of my method shoot me a message if it piqued your interest, book a call with me on my website. If you would like to discuss more, the calls are free and non-binding. I would love to hear from you. More good stuff to come in the future episodes. Have a good week.